And we're still really in the Easter season. The season of Easter is a season of great celebration for Christians. Christ is risen, death is conquered, and therefore let all Christians worship the Lord. The solemn preparation of Lent and the somber meditation of Holy Week gives way to victorious festivity during the 50 days of Easter. It's important to see the 50 days of Easter as a season anchored by Easter on one end and Pentecost on the other. And this season is known as Eastertide. And neither would be complete without the other. The church's worship centers on the paschal ministry of Christ's dying and rising and inspired and guided by God, the Holy Spirit. And as a part of this Eastertide or Easter season, we discover four specific fires recorded for us in the New Testament account of this special season in the Christian calendar. And this morning, I would like to draw your attention to these four Easter fires or the four fires of Easter season. And I'd like to do this by looking at four different passages of Scripture. And so the first one this morning, turn with me to or listen to John chapter 18, and we're going to read verse 18 and verse 25. Now the servants and officers made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. This fire I have called the fire of denial. At the Last Supper, some hours prior to this event recorded in these verses, Jesus had predicted Peter's denial, and Peter's angry response to such thinking is recorded for us by Mark in his Gospel, chapter 14 and 31, and listen to him. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. You see, Peter uttered these words, of course, during a time of sweet fellowship when the disciples were gathered together in a holy huddle. Things soon changed for Peter when the pressure was on. This mighty miracle working Jesus, this Jesus who had healed the sick, raised the dead, calmed the storm, was now seemingly hopeless in the hands of a group of ruthless religious fanatics. He had been arrested and was on trial before the zealous, pious, hypocritical religious elite. Peter himself could well be in danger if he was to be identified as a Jesus supporter. 
and the Peter who had hours earlier said, when in the company of like-minded men, I will die for you, now finds himself taking the easy option of denying his Lord. Furthermore, not only did he deny him once, but three times. In fact, Jesus had predicted that before the cock crows twice, Peter would deny him thrice, and this he did. The cock crows, Jesus looks at Peter, and Peter weeps bitterly at this fire of denial. At the very moment when his master needed Peter to stand by him, Peter denied him and deserted him. This Peter who had walked on water with Jesus, this Peter who had witnessed the brilliance of his glory at the Mount of Transfiguration, this Peter who had heard the voice of the Father from heaven declaring that this was his well-beloved son, this Peter who had courageously cut off the guard's ear at Gethsemane, this very Peter failed when the pressure was on. And you know, one of the dangers here is for us to be very critical, judgmental, and somewhat hard on Peter. How could he deny his Jesus? How could he not stand up for the Messiah? How could he of all people, he who had received that wonderful revelation and made that declaration, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. How could he be such a coward? Friends, let's not forget the warning of Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 and 12 when he says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. It was Chuck Gerard who used to sing a song entitled Don't Shoot the Wounded. And the last line of the chorus goes, don't shoot the wounded, someday you might be one. Dare I say, we've all at some point been, be, been warming ourselves at this fire of denial. And you see, if you look at the word denial in the Collins Dictionary, one of the definition is to abstain from. And therefore, our failure to speak out for Jesus is in itself a denial. And how many of us have been guilty of just that? I have to confess that I, on occasions, have been just as guilty as Peter. Not that I have openly denied the Lord, but I have found myself in those occasions where there has been an opportunity for me to speak up for Jesus, and I have missed that opportunity, or I have chosen to remain silent. And that, my friend, is me at my fire of denial. And one important thing for us to note about Peter when warming himself at the fire of denial, when Peter realized what he had done, he wept bitter tears 
of repentance. Peter acknowledged that what he did was shameful. He realized that he had left his Lord down. He realized that he was not as strong and courageous as he thought he was. He realized that when things got tough, he was no better than the rest. He discovered how weak the arm of flesh really is. Yes, Peter learned a bitter lesson at the fire of denial, a lesson that he would never forget. He was so quick at the table in the upper room to volunteer to die for Jesus, and now he felt a complete fool. Thankfully for Peter, because of his bitter repentance at the fire of denial, this led him to another Easter season fire, which is that of my text, which Nigel read to us from John's Gospel 21. I, don't read, I won't read the passage again because of time. And the first fire was at the high priest's courtyard. It was during what has become known as Passion Week and before Jesus went to the cross. This second fire is after the events of Easter morning. Jesus had been led to Golgotha's hill. He had died for the sins of the world. He had been buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and was now alive because death cannot keep his prey. Jesus, my Savior, he tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord, and up from the grave, he arose. This living Jesus brought Peter to another fire, which I have called this morning the fire of hope. This Peter, who had made the most cowardly denial, now finds himself warming himself around a barbecue fire which Jesus himself had prepared. This fire turned out for Peter to be a fire of hope. Easter for Peter proved to be a great time of rejoicing because it came with a message of hope. And at this fire of hope, Jesus offered Peter three important blessings. Blessings which can be yours and mine this morning. Namely, first of all, forgiveness. Because of Peter's tears of repentance, Jesus comes to him as the forgiving, living Savior. Note that there is not a single word of condemnation here for Peter. Jesus here becomes the father he had spoken of in the parable of the prodigal son. Friends, there is an Easter fire that you and I are invited to this morning. Yes, we may be in the same boat as Peter right now, feeling as if we have miserably failed the Lord, and some of us may have failed him 
in the week that has gone by and right now we may be feeling awful or we have failed him during this period of pandemic and we have found ourselves warming at the fire of denial. However, Jesus at this very hour invites you and me to another fire. It's a fire of hope. So come this morning and warm yourself at this fire, a fire of hope where you can find forgiveness. And this forgiveness is yours and mine this morning on the account of the work of Easter. As Bancroft puts it in his hymn, because the sinless Saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Yes, this fire of hope offers forgiveness. Secondly, this fire of hope offers you and me restoration. Note that Jesus doesn't condemn Peter but rather restores him to ministry. Feed my lambs. Peter by now, you see, had gone back to the old ways. He had gone back to fishing. But Jesus here restores him to ministry. Thank God this morning that Jesus doesn't deal with us as we very often deal with with one another. You see, I can bet you if I had made such a public denial of Christ as Peter had, I doubt if the church would ever have me as its pastor. As gracious as the leaders of my denomination, or I would like to think they are, I think they would give me my P. 45 pretty sharpish and it would be without a promise of restoration either however this easter fire offers you and me hope of restoration at this fire we can all experience something of the promise of Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. So it's a fire of hope, forgiveness, restoration, and then also reassurance. Three times Jesus asked Peter if he loved him, and three times Jesus told Peter to engage in pastoral ministry. Jesus gives Peter the assurance that his ministry has not been lost forever as a result of his miserable failure. And Jesus reassures him that he can again flow in the anointing. And today you can come to this Easter fire and be assured that despite past failures, this living Jesus forgives and restores the repentant. Listen to John's 
words of reassurance to us this morning. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And I shout this morning, hallelujah. Friends, Easter season offers hope to mankind. Christ has died for our sins and risen for our justification. This Jesus of the gospel is alive and well today and invites men and women of all walks of life to come to this fire of hope and find their sweet forgiveness, restoration, and reassurance. Hallelujah. And then there is also a third fire that I'd like to draw your attention to this morning. Thirdly, turn with me to Luke 24. This fire is located somewhere on the road between Jerusalem to Emmaus. Again, it's after the events of Easter morning. Here we find two of Jesus' disciples walking along the road discussing the Easter events when the risen Saviour joins them. He then explains the whole Easter story to them. This divine commentary takes them back to Moses and from there to the prophets. Their response after experiencing such an exposition of the Old Testament is recorded for us in verse 32. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And this third fire I have called the fire of fellowship. The Christian can experience tremendous times of blessing around this fire of fellowship. And fellowship with God was one of the richest privileges of unfallen man. Genesis teaches us that Adam and Eve enjoyed true fellowship with God as he came and communed with them in the cool of the evening. And as we know from scripture that this sweet fellowship was broken when Adam disobeyed God and sin entered the human race. And as a result of the fall, mankind was at enmity with God. Fellowship was broken. Man came under a condemnation because God and sinful man could not be at peace with one another. Light and darkness could have no fellowship. Sin and holiness could not commune together. However, the events of Easter changed everything through the triumph of the cross, sinful man has been reconciled to God. Wrath has been removed. 
fellowship has been restored. And again, hallelujah, is at peace with God. And all this is now yours and mine, not because we deserve it, not because I can work towards it, but because Jesus has done it all for me, and now I am justified by faith and have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul reminds the believers at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1 and 9 that God has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this Easter season, God invites us all to come and enjoy and warm ourselves around this fire of fellowship. God invites us to the fire of fellowship because he wants us to be intimate friends of his son, Jesus. Some of you may remember the old hymn that we used to sing many years ago, Friendship with Jesus, Fellowship Divine, Oh, what blessed sweet communion, Jesus is a friend of mine. And friends at Kledach this morning, at this fire of fellowship, we can grow in our Christian walk as we come to know Jesus better. At this fire of fellowship, we can experience his grace in our lives. We can discover his will for our lives. We can prove and understand something of his unfailing love towards us. At this fire of fellowship, we can be bestowed with spiritual gifts and ministries from his bountiful heart. We can have our minds illuminated as we study the scriptures. At this fire of fellowship, we can receive revelation and inspiration from the presence of the risen Christ. Yes. Let us come this Easter season and warm ourselves at this fire of fellowship and enjoy God and receive from God. Because listen, we were made for fellowship. It's the Westminster Shorter Catechism that states man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And quickly and briefly, let me close with one final Eastertide fellowship that I want to mention. As I said, Easter season finishes with Pentecost. And therefore, for my final reading, let me read to you the first four verses of Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They all saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came upon each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit 
enabled them. And this I have called the fire of power. I'm not going to say much, you'll be glad, on this point, because in a few weeks, Pentecost will be with us and preachers will have an opportunity to explore something of this power more in detail at that time. Suffice to say that this fire that the disciples experienced in the upper room gave them the necessary power for ministry and success in preaching the gospel. The whole book of Acts is proof enough for us that power was given when the Pentecostal fire descended. My greatest need as a preacher this morning is to experience that same fire so that I too can know that same anointing of power and minister in the dynamic of the Holy Spirit and experience something of what the early preachers experienced, souls being saved as a result of gospel preaching. I yearn and long to know more of this fire in my own personal experience so that I can reach people and touch lives effectively in the name of Jesus. And I leave you with the words of an old Pentecostal hymn. They were gathered in the upper chamber as commanded by the risen Lord and the promise of the Father. They sought with one accord when the Holy Ghost from heaven descended like a rushing wind and tongues of fire. So dear Lord, dear Lord we seek thy blessing. Come with glory now our hearts inspire. Let the fire fall, let the fire fall, let the fire from heaven fall. We are waiting and expecting. Now in faith, dear Lord, we call. Let the fire fall, let the fire fall. On thy promise we depend. From the glory of thy presence, let the Pentecostal fire descend.